This is On the Line. From the capstone to the plains, in-depth coverage, opinions, and analysis of the most heated rivalry in all of sports. All things Alabama and Auburn are right here. Now, you're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law on AU100, Kicks 96.3, and Fox Sports Central Alabama are on demand on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for joining us either on the radio at 10 a.m. or once again on demand through those various locations that you can find the podcast. Jeremy, it's good to be back in the same room with you, my man. Oh, no doubt, man. Absolutely. I'm, I've been Enjoyed this show all year. It's glad to be back in the office. Got through COVID. I am as, you know, people are calling themselves survivors, right? Come on. It's not, you're, I, I made it through COVID. Wow. Joined the other 99.5% of people who survived. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like is the plane didn't crash it. You know, the, the Titanic didn't sink. I, I caught COVID. I made, it. I'm not going to call myself a survivor. I don't know. We're ready to talk some sports though. Well, let's get right into it then. We're at the end of the season nearly. We've got two weeks left of the regular season. It's kind of mixed with the conference championship next weekend as well as some teams are making up some games, getting some final revenue touches to the end of 2020. So let's get into it because everybody wants to talk about hot seats. And of course, if you listen to talk radio during the week this week, you would think that the Auburn program is in the gutter. Gus Malzahn's seat is on fire right now. I would agree that it is on fire at the moment. I think that it's reaching its peak heat that we've seen in his tenure, but there are other coaches enduring this in yeah. other places. Tennessee's dealing with it. LSU just imposed a self uh, a self-imposed a bowl ban for them. <laughs> I mean, it, it's burning <laughs> up across the conference right now. It's some big-name programs, too. Yeah, the self-imposed thing. Maybe we'll get into that later in the show. What a joke that is. Kind of like the one that a local basketball team imposed on themselves this year. I think that one's more legitimate than LSU's. There's no doubt that you're 100% right, but you're talking about the Auburn program. Is it in the gutter? I don't think it's in the gutter, but Auburn fans knew that LSU wasn't going to be as good this year as they were last year, and you expected to finish second in the West, and you sit right now where, where you are at this point of the year and you're thinking, and if we don't beat... Um, this got leapfrogged if by we don't, Texas yeah, a so I'm saying. If we don't beat Mississippi State, man, we're finishing 5-5. Five and five. And and that is a big game today for Gus. It's a big game for this program. But if you're Auburn, you knew that LSU wasn't going to be as good. If you can beat Texas A&M, you'll finish second in the West. You're, it's going to be tough to beat Georgia, which Gus hasn't really done, but they, he has beaten Alabama, at least I would say, I wouldn't say frequently, but often. He's he been is able to one win of the few coaches and, yeah. in college football that has been able to replicate some form of success and, against yeah. Nick Saban. And we were talking in the car yesterday when we were going to lunch together, and we were talking about his wins, and three of those wins that he has against teams with a winning record have come against Nick Saban. Nobody else has beaten him but Gus, but this was the year if you're already thinking, if we can win the Georgia or the Alabama game, we would be sitting at the end of the year with a chance to go to the college football playoff because you feel like you should still be a better program than Texas A&M. Historically, you are. Um, and then things just kind of, the wheels have come off at the end. So we got some seats that are hot. We got some coaches that, sometimes coaches don't feel the hot seat as much, but there are some coaches whose pants are on fire right now because the seat's so hot. Well, let's run through them then. Who has the hottest seat 
in the SEC right now. No, there's no doubt of who it is. I think Gus Malzahn, this is the first time that he actually... Oh, really? You think so? I, yes, and... I think there's another coach who's got a hotter seat. Well, we'll get there. I think that... I know people were... But that, that job has had... The one you're talking about has just been... It, it's been bad since I'm alluding 06. to Tennessee. Yeah, but that job has been bad since 06 for Gus. I think in other times in his tenure, people have clamored and said stuff, but he never felt it, right? Even after he lost to Georgia and UCF after beating Alabama in six, 16 or 17, 17, right? And they gave him the extension because he was going to go to Arkansas. Like People are saying he was on the hot seat, and he got a seven-year extension or something like that and for a lot of money. But now is the time I think Gus feels how hot this seat is. And to me, it's the number one hottest seat. Now, he may not be fired first. I think that Tennessee's seat doesn't have to be as hot to move on for Jeremy Pruitt because you can see that it's probably not going anywhere for Gus. It's like, man, I've won some, and they're like, I really feel it this time that they are chasing after me. I think there are more Tennessee fans, like per capita, that dislike their head coach. But they're less patient right now, too, right? Right. And I think that's why I think the seat with Jeremy Pruitt's hotter. You also said that you don't think that Gus Malzahn will be fired first out of this group of coaches that we've already discussed. I agree with that statement because I think there's just more blocking it. I think that there's still a contingent of the fan base and a decent contingent of the fan base that wants to keep him for at least another year, doesn't want to make a move for whatever reason it may be. It could be because they feel like paying out, you know, $21 million to somebody during the coronavirus pandemic while your university is leaking money at a fast rate. That plays a massive part in all this, man. It really does. I think there's too many barriers to see Gus Malzahn be let go this year unless Auburn were to lose to Mississippi State tonight. I could see it if Auburn loses to Mississippi State tonight. Outside of that, though, a six and four year with a very experienced roster coming back for next season. And there's a lot of Auburn fans are heaping hopes on to next year. It's kind of crazy that Malzahn could be about to reach year 10. I mean, next year will be year nine. He's almost been here for a decade here as an Auburn. And so I think with Jeremy Pruitt talking about Tennessee right now, I think his seat is hotter, not only because I think he's closer to getting canned, I also think that there is a higher percentage of Tennessee fans that really dislike the guy and the job he's doing right now. This year at Tennessee is abysmal. It was supposed to be one of those, it was supposed to be the year that where you've seen he's had a class and the first class really wasn't his class. He was able to sign some guys in that first class that Tennessee didn't think they were going to be able to get with Butch Jones. Then he comes in the next year on a, just a holler, right, man? He gets everybody. Then he's rolling into this recruiting, last year's recruiting class. And this year's kind of, although it was number one in the country at one point, it was really falling off. I mean, you kind of could see, like, they didn't have a lot of five stars. They had a lot of three stars. They jumped up to the top. But the year has been so bad for Tennessee football. I wonder was, if they're going to hold on to those guys. You were supposed to You were supposed to be second in the West this year. And MSU's in the East, and you didn't really – you didn't win a marquee game. You competed with Auburn. And that's the highlight of Tennessee's year, in all seriousness – was competing a little bit against Auburn. That's who, who have they beaten this year? They've beaten South Carolina. They may lose today. I mean, playing Vanderbilt. I, I mean, they who have? Can they you go beat? and find the other win? Yeah, they've beaten South I, Carolina in the season opener, and then they've beaten one other team. I'm, lo- I'm looking it up, so you can continue. And I'm having a hard time remembering that, but I think, and we all talked about that extension that Pruitt got before the year. 
And I don't know if that was out of good faith. I don't I don't know why, because it really didn't move the needle a whole lot as far as finances for him. I think it was only like no, a couple they, hundred thousand dollars. They beat Missouri. Race. They beat Missouri and they blew him out. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean thirty five to twelve. That's an win right there. Thirty five to twelve and now look at Missouri, six and three. Yeah, and everybody They're where Tennessee should be right now, right? Ten- Drinkwitz has Missouri where Tennessee was at this point last year. Like, wow, they lost Alabama. They ran the table to close out the year. They won their bowl game. Have a chance to beat Georgia today, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think they have a very good chance. The way that they're scoring the football right now, I say that like, you know, most people say in that phrase, they say scoring the basketball. I'm saying they're scoring the football because the way they're scoring points right now they're scoring them at a clip where it feels like they're scoring the basketball, right? Scored 50 at, on Arkansas last week. At one point this year, Jeremy Pruitt and the Tennessee Volunteers were undefeated and ranked 14th. And then they ran into the second half against Georgia. Georgia. When Georgia <laughs> looked like a buzzsaw in that game, 44-21. And we know that although they're still... Tennessee was winning at halftime. Yeah, and although we know Georgia's good, we know Georgia's not great. And I think that was a turning point for uh, Jeremy Pruitt and Tennessee. was like... This Georgia team's not great. They're throwing Stetson Bennett up there. They've played DeJuan Mathis, and we get blown out in the second half, similar to what Alabama did to Georgia in the second half, and then this this team hasn't been the same since. I have another coach at another team before I have Gus Malzahn on my rankings. My second hottest seed in this league is at LSU right now, and it centers around the sexual assault allegations against the program combined with the NCAA's investigation into the program. And where there's smoke, there's fire. And right now, you can see the smoke for miles when you're looking at LSU's program. And it's not just centered on the results. The results are horrible. I even think LSU fans are probably realizing, uh, oh, man, this guy's Gene Chizik. This guy's this guy may I, not make it past next year because of results alone. I think you, we and you have been talking since the summer that we thought Edo could have a trajectory like Gene Chizik. But now there's sexual assault allegations and NCAA allegations going against this program. And potential just, you can heap onto it. Lack of institutional control when you're talking about LSU right now, possibly. In the sexual assault, yes. But the But the also, other, I mean the booster but, stuff combined with it. I mean, what control they, do they have over they, the program? They saw the they they know exactly what happened with the booster stuff. It was Odell Beckham Jr. handing out money after the national title game to players. That, I think there's additional stuff. Now listen, they could have found some some other minor things, but the big stuff was the Odell Beckham handing out thousands of dollars in cash to players that were still at LSU and the ones that were leaving that were still on scholarship. And now I'm sure there's more and when the NCAA starts opening doors, they normally find things. So for LSU though, we both said, even before guys started opting out, right, we just saw the talent that they lost, they the coordinators they lost, and listen, this team brought back Ed Orgeron, and that's it. That's all. They've had some players quit in the last two or three games. There's no more opting out. There's no more opting out. You know, K.J. Britt did it. I understand his situation a little more than another, uh, some other guys. He's been banged up all year, really wasn't playing a lot. But if you have opted out, if you have chosen not to play in the last month, you quit. You quit the team. And LSU has had about 15 guys quit the team in the last month. And that is the most telling part of all this for Ed Orgeron. Players who were supposed to be stars, DVs that were supposed to be first-round draft picks, have quit the team, and they just don't want to be a part of LSU football right now. And, and, and a lot of these guys are from Louisiana, where this is the pride and joy of everything in that state is LSU football. 
now I'm on ESPN.com right now reading their article about the self-imposed bowl ban. So that's where some of this information is coming from. But I was talking about there was even more so stuff going on than just the Odell Beckham Jr. thing. There is something involving a booster that was funneling funds, providing funds to families of current and former student athletes and some additional things as well, like offering internships and and, and things like that, which I'm sure that happens everywhere Everywhere. in the internships side of things because you want, you know, players, you know, working for your company and whatnot. But this this is something that the NCAA is also looking into, and this could be serious. I mean, this could be very serious, especially if it's involved, and it is involving the football program and former players, but it looks like one of the players that is in question is from the Les Miles era not necessarily from Ed Orgeron's era, but still, nonetheless, I think there's enough going on right now to where, like, when you look at the trajectory for Ed O, me and you are thinking, well, results-wise, these guys these guys have the recruits to be good, but is this program going to get off the floor quick enough for him to save his job? And now on top of that, the sexual assault allegations and now that coupled with the NCAA, I think there's more reasons to fire Ed Orgeron with less barriers on it than possibly to fire Gus Malzahn at the moment. They can't fire, but they, I don't think they can fire. The LSU, got to realize, they're paying out less miles. They they were told that they couldn't fire less miles to hire Jimbo or the state was going to stop sending funds to the university. That's how big that was. And O just signed an extension. A, I don't, I'm not sure what the buyout is. Maybe you can Google that on your MacBook in a second, but... His probably worse than Gus's. This is a, a university that has already been in a little bit of financial trouble. So now you're still paying less miles. And then you fire Ed O. Even with probable cause, maybe you could talk his buyout down a little bit. But, I mean, you're paying him. And then you're not going to get another quality coach for anything less than $5 million. It's a Malzahn-like extension. Six years, $7 million per year. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, it's, oh. it's, it's the Malzahn contract to keep him there until 2026. So, I mean, what's his buyout, though? So, we got that five. I have not found It's probably that. $35 million. Five years, $7 million left. Maybe you could talk that down a little bit to $25 million. You'd be paying him $5 million a year for the next five years. They can't afford that. I haven't been able to find anything on the buyout. And that's that's how something that people will have to go and do research on their own just because we're in the span of the show and I can't sit here and just Google while I'm talking to you. But, I mean, when you look at the buyout for Gus Malzahn now, moving into third on my rankings, because I'm assuming the top three for us is the same, just in different orders. You would say Ed Orgeron, Butch Jones, and Gus Malzahn. Jimmy are the, Not Butch my, Hey, could be worse, right? <laughs> Tennessee's still paying in millions of dollars. Right. I've done, that's the second time I've done that in the same week. I was talking about Jeremy Pruitt to somebody else, but I referred to him as Butch Jones. And Butch it, it Jones might be a better coach. I think he is, 100%. And I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt's a lot worse. Jeremy Pruitt's a lot worse. I don't know why I'm comparing it to that situation in my mind, why, the, why I'm getting those two mixed up, just in such close proximity to each other. But Butch Jones was a much better head coach than Jeremy Pruitt. He actually won. I mean, the, oh, yeah. I, I, think, I think you're comparing Jeremy Pruitt to Derek Dooley at this point. No, oh, yeah, because Dooley uh, at least went to one bowl game. He and is same for Pruitt. He is much more Derek Dooley than he has been Butch Jones. And Derek Dooley always felt like Tennessee was at least close to bowl games. Tennessee's not close right now, and they're much more talented now than Should when be. they had right. At least recruiting wise, they're much more talented now than what Dooley was walking into. I mean, wasn't Tennessee in trouble 
around that time, too, because that was after Lane Kiffin left. I mean, the, the program was not stable whatsoever at the oh, time no, this, that Jared Dooley took but over. But this program hasn't been stable. This thing hasn't been stable since. I mean, they fired their AD. They hired Phil Fulmer. It's, this, this a mess. So, number four. Let's think about number four. I don't have a fourth team. I don't really think the seat that you're going to say is hot is hot. I don't really think anybody else in the league seat is warm. I would agree with that. But I had to. I, I felt like four was a... You know, but let's try and have a longer list would, than just three. I think right? this one could quickly be the warm mist next year. Four for me is Mike Leach at state because the results have been abysmal there this year as well. And this is probably one of the worst seasons we've seen at Mississippi State in quite some time. Well, and he's had his best players quit. And I really right, and I really do, and and that may just be a culture slash philosophy, like them just not fitting inside the offense, like Colin Hill wants to run the football, not catch passes, right? And he can catch passes, and he made that very clear to us all on social media, right? But I just think that's more of like, well, this isn't a fit for me, and I might as well not play right now in case I get hurt, right? And so, and KJ Costello didn't work out. My thing is, looking at Mississippi State right now, I think for the first time we have finally seen this program and what it looks like right now away from Dan Mullen. Like, we're now four years removed from Dan Mullen, three or four years removed. The recruiting has came that far to where this is what the program reality is right now outside of the Dan Mullen era, and it's not in a good place. They're two and six. Now, I think it can get better, and when you look at Mike Leach's trajectory at every single program he's been at, horrible first year, and it improves steadily over time to where he's got them as a winning program. It takes time to install things like the air raid. It's a little bit like the run-and-shoot offense, which the run-and-shoot offense – based a lot on pre-snap motion and you can get a look and a glimpse of what the defense is doing based on that pre-snap motion. It's very intricate and it's hard for quarterbacks to pick up. Air raid, very difficult for quarterbacks to pick up as well because now you move from what some teams view as a one-read one quarterback system like at Auburn where you don't have to go through a progression. Well, the air raid, you're going to have four or five wide receivers and those are your options and it's a little bit more difficult for a quarterback to pick that up quickly and state just wasn't built for that system right off the bat state has now moved from running the football to now a massive tip in the scales on the other end of it so i don't think his seat's hot this year i'm saying another two and six year in the sec and the seat is hot because he's not a cultural fit He's not a Mississippi. Fit, but he's not going to be able to recruit Mississippi well. I don't. I mean, the kids that are going to go to Mississippi State. Well, I know who has. I've seen Hugh Freeze do it. I'm watching Lane Kiffin do it better than most ever have. And Dan Mullen really didn't even do it that well outside. He, I, I still, and I think, Dak, although I'm not a huge Dak Prescott fan, he's probably when healthy a top ten quarterback in the NFL. And that's what Dan Mullen had for multiple years. And that's why Dan Mullen is at Florida right now. And you're seeing the work that he's doing with Kyle Trask, who's the second best quarterback in the SEC. And it feels not, I know we're four years past Dan, since Dan Mullen. It feels like we're a decade since Dan Mullen. Like, it feels just these like These guys were for me. ranked first in the, in the college foot, in the very first, however. College yeah. football playoff national championship rankings. Mississippi State was ranked number one in 2014. We are seven years since then. And even at the back end of Dan Mullen's tenure, like they weren't great. They were competitive. And I think that the Dak Prescott years got him to Florida. But this, to me, is one of the... Is it the worst job in the West? Here's the thing, though. Dan Mullen didn't take over in Florida since 2018. So we're in... 
your three, three. right now. Yeah, for so Dan I'm Mullen. saying. I mean, so, I mean, I don't know if I'd say it feels like a decade for me. I think it feels just like yesterday, but I think we are far enough removed now to understand that, yes, this well, is the tell reality. You, I can tell you how far away we were seven years ago. I mean, it's closer to it's closer to seven. It's closer to a decade than yesterday. No, I mean, <laughs> they they seven years ago they were the best team in the country for yeah. a couple weeks, and I, I really think in those couple weeks where they were ranked number one, they could have beaten anybody. Now they go to Tuscaloosa and they lose, and things kind of fall apart at the end. They lose to Georgia Tech in the bowl game with Paul Johnson running the option. But since, even since then, they have they've been a nine and four, which is still 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 very very good at Mississippi State. But that job right now to me is the worst. It's the, either sixth or seventh in the West. If it's behind any, if it's in front of anybody, it's Arkansas, and that's it. And I don't think it's in front of Arkansas because I think Sam Pittman's showing that there is something that can be done. And I think even before Sam Pittman, you look at some previous coaches that have been there, namely Bobby Petrino. Houston Bobby Nutt Petrino. Well, Bobby, right, but Bobby Petrino really proved that you could win on the national scale. He I got agree. To a sugar bowl. I agree. Bobby Petrino proved that you could go well, to an SEC championship. I don't. I, he never went to an SEC title no, at Arkansas, he beats, but he was if close. If he beats LSU in 2011, he has a rematch with Alabama in the national championship yeah. game. And that's how, that's how close they were. And so Arkansas, like, there's been success on the national scale at that point. Mississippi State's never experienced that with at least some sort of longevity they only had a couple of weeks in one season that even finish out the year that way. Arkansas was able to do it over a couple of years under Bobby Petrino. So I, I would say Mississippi State's the worst job in the SEC West, second worst job in the SEC ahead of Vanderbilt and only ahead of Vanderbilt. I agree. I agree. Was it Peter Burns on ESPN? But, but that you could also make, before you get there, you could also make the argument that outside of one year under when Freeze and Mullen were in, in Mississippi – that Dan Mullen was a better team. I mean, really, you can make that argument. Maybe once that they were sure, okay, these guys are better. Yeah. I would agree with that. Horrible job. His seat will doing be really well at Florida right now, though. No, I think Dan Mullen. I think it's the job. I think yeah. Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen, the coach. Dan that, Mullen will be in the great. Ring of Honor one day. I yeah. mean, that's how many games he's going to win at Florida because he's going to win ten games a year at Florida. He is modern day Spurrier. He's goofy. He's annoying, but he. Gets great quarterback play, and he will always have weapons. And they'll they'll get eight wins one year, but they'll he'll be a nine to ten win coach a year, and they'll love him. He's Spurrier without the cool catchphrases and the one liners that are like singing there. at. I, I think his I I don't like he's not funny to me. If anything, it's annoying when he says something. And maybe that's how Auburn and Alabama people felt about Steve Spurrier's jokes. But I look back, and you can get a you can get like a long list of Steve Spurrier jokes that he's making fun Listen. of other teams. You're like, oh yeah, that's good. That's a good one. I, mean, I don't think Dan Mullen's ever said something. No, he'll never, like, oh, yeah, he'll never have a, you can't spell citrus bowl without UT or something. You know, like he'll never have one of those, but he's still. And he just doesn't have the same persona. You know, well, Steve Spurrier's got that Steve Southern Spurrier. guy persona. He won the Heisman you know? Trophy at, at Florida. I mean, like. Spurrier, Spurrier is just not as nerdy he's as Gator, Mullen man. is. Listen, man. Steve Mullen Spurrier is won it. Steve Spurrier won at Duke. That is a, that's like that's equivalent to Paul Bryant winning at Kentucky yep. back in the day. I mean, that's how that's a, that's Steve, man. <laughs> I miss Steve Spurrier. I wish I wish there was somebody like that in college football right he's now. He's the same age as Saban, and he's that's at wild. home. Well, it Crazy. was being used against him in recruiting at that time, but like, and it can't should. be used against Saban because Alabama though is still greater than Saban. There have been for I'd and, agree with that. Alabama is greater than Saban. 
No other job is like that in the country other than maybe Ohio State. Like, Dabo is greater than Clemson because Dabo built Clemson to that point. You can't, without a doubt, say that Clemson will remain the way that they are outside of Dabo Sweeney. You can't you you can't say that that about about any other job in the country other than Ohio State and Alabama. The difference is the expectation at Alabama will be the same when Nick Saban leaves. You cannot say the same thing about Clemson. You can never. You've never. Really there's been only at, other one job that you can, and it's Ohio State. Yeah, that's it. You couldn't you say about Alabama USC. North. Nobody. It's if when Nick Saban leaves, the fans will expect the same. You can't say that about anybody else. On the other side of this break, we got speed round presented by the Brown Insurance Agency. Coming up here on AU100 Kicks 96.3 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. You're on the line. Now, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Jeremy Law here with you. It's time for Speed Round, brought to you by the Brown Insurance Agency. Life is coming at you fast, just like Speed Round. Make sure you and your family are in good hands by allowing Lance Brown to be a part of your team. He'll make sure that you understand your policy and that you're fully protected. Call Lance Brown Allstate at 334-758-0088 or visit at 3051 Frederick Road in Opelika, Same rules as always, Jeremy. This week, we've got five questions. We're going to spend about two to three minutes on each one. You ready to go? Let's do it, my friend. Question number one, and we've already talked a lot about the hot seat. That was what we talked about in our last segment. We'll wrap up this conversation here with the first question in speed round. Who is the next head coach to be let go in the SEC? We didn't give that prediction in the first segment. Who is it? I think it's Jeremy Pruitt. I don't think his seat is hotter than Gus's. I think some other things are keeping Gus from being fired. If Gus loses today, then both might get fired on the same day. I don't think any of the coaches that we named in the top four get fired this year. I don't think any of the teams pulled the trigger. You don't think Jeremy Pruitt can get fired if they lose to Vanderbilt today? Oh, I think they can, and I I think they will beat Vanderbilt, and I think he can, but I just haven't seen a whole a whole lot about Tennessee threatening to fire the guy, right? Like, normally by now, you've got articles about guys who are going to be gone, and Pruitt's name just hasn't came up in the news circle for me yet, right? I think Coach O is pretty close. I really, like, just with all of these allegations swirling, like, I could see him being the next guy. I don't think any of these teams pull the trigger. I'm going to go with Coach O, and it happens next year. I could be wrong, but I'm going to go with Coach O, and it happens next year. Next year, I think all three of those guys are getting fired. There's not a lot of promise going into the next year with Auburn. You're going to have Bo Nix back. Is the defense getting better? Is the offensive line going to get better? Tennessee, they got just experience. They got, I mean, they got talent, but they can't. They don't have a quarterback, and whatever's happening at LSU. I think all three of those guys. There's no way two out of three of those guys are no longer the coach at the end of next season of their school. I think Malzahn's the most likely to survive amongst that group, which is crazy to think with the way that it looks right now. But I think you could see Malzahn three years from now still wearing orange and blue and that wonderful hat. That I'm the best thing about this year for me. The pet hat. That's nice. That pet hat is great. Question number two, do you agree with the Big Ten's decision to change the rule to allow Ohio State into the Big Ten championship game? No. I haven't talked to you about this yet, so this is uh, fresh for me. Here's what here's the, here's the my biggest thing. I don't really care about the Big Ten championship game. It gives them an opportunity to play another game, and honestly, 
they, 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 listen, they won their division, right? They've already beat the team that would have been in second. Right. I understand. It does not bother me. What's going to bother me more is because Ohio State plays a sixth game that that gives the college football playoff committee what? Like, they played six games. You can't tell me Alabama's played 10. All these other teams have played 10. Clemson, Notre Dame, they've all played 11, maybe 12 games in the ACC. So, Alabama would have played 11 games, right? Yeah? Correct? Yes. They played, they're 10 and 0 right now? Yeah. After today. So, next week, they'd be 11 and 0. And Ohio State's played six games, and their only team that they've beaten is Indiana, 49 to 42. So, what is the college football playoff committee? 42 35. Sorry, sorry, 42 35. What does that? What does the college football playoff committee get to see? Like, I think Texas A and M. Honestly, I know they haven't blown everybody out, but more impressive, they haven't beaten another team with more than two wins. This goes back to what I said earlier about Alabama and Ohio State. The program itself, the monolith itself, right, is so much larger than anywhere else in college football, and they're even their own coaches, like. The personalities at those universities are diminished by the university itself, and they have built up the track record that people just expect that they are one of the best four teams in the country because of how they've recruited, how they've looked in recent years, even though this year we maybe if we looked at it in a vacuum and you're looking at resumes, you're thinking, I don't know if this Ohio State team is the best team, one of the four best teams in the country, right? Like I I would take Notre Dame, Clemson, and Alabama before Ohio State for sure, and now you've got to make me decide between Texas A&M and Ohio State. I don't know what to do there. I know that Texas A&M beat Florida. And if Florida beats Alabama, they might be the two seed in the college football playoff. You cannot tell me yeah. because Ohio State goes 6-0 and with a Big Ten championship with a one-ranked win on the year that they are just one of the four best teams in the country because I, Herb Street said it best. If you're just going to if you're gonna just let them in the playoff because you think they're one of the four best teams, then why should Ohio State ever play a football game in the regular season? Why? Just wait until the Big Ten championship, win it, and go to the playoff. Your perception is right. I'm all for what you're saying. I love what you're saying. My thing is, that's not how they're going to do it, though. That you know they're in because the, they're in the top four already. If they didn't view them as a top four team, they wouldn't be in it. Uh, Here's my issue with it. See, that's the issue. That that's the biggest issue is they do not have a resume that anybody else has, and they're already in the top four, but they haven't earned their way into the top four. So why are we putting Ohio State in the top four even before the college football playoff when they have nothing to show that this is why they should be there? Here's my issue with this whole thing, going back to the original question, which was, do I agree with the Big Ten's decision about it, is the Big Ten set this rule at the beginning of the year. Why did you set it if you weren't going to, if you had no intention to follow it. You said it because you wanted to give off the appearance that you were following some sort of standard. So from the get-go, they set this rule to make it look like they were still playing the same game as everybody else to give their champion the better chance to get into the playoff, right? They're like, oh, hey, look, guys, see, see, we are following the rule here. We, we've got six games that we're playing that you guys can let us in. It's okay. But now they're not following it. And they, they it has now backfired in my eyes when it comes to optics because... They didn't even follow the standard that they set. It makes them look weak, and they put themselves in this situation because they started their season late. It's the worst leadership. They should be punished for it. Ohio State shouldn't be punished for it, but I don't think them not making the playoff is them being punished. It it is just that this is what's on paper. It's the reality of the situation. This is what we have on paper. You're six and zero. You have one one ranked win when Alabama 
could have five at the end of the year. Think about this. Alabama could have five, and they're number one. Ohio State could have two. And one of the and Northwestern, come on, they lost to Michigan State and somehow they're still in the top 25. They could have two ranked wins, and one of those is versus a team that lost to Michigan State, and you're one of the four best teams? Right. Come on. Question number three, what are your thoughts on LSU's self-imposed bowl ban? I told you we'd get there. Joke. Like, <laughs> it's a joke. Yeah, I mean, what do you mean it's a self-imposed bowl ban? Like, you already did that with your season. You've already you already signed up for that by going two and, what are they, three and seven? Three and six? Two and six? They already did that to themselves. You just can't impose a bowl ban when you're not going to make the postseason? Why now? If people think that Auburn's oh, this is not- self-imposed postseason ban was convenient, how convenient is this? Having one of the worst years in modern LSU football history, and they're like, yeah, we're just going to sit this one out, right? So I, I think it's a joke. I'm with you. I don't think that this should move the needle at all with the NCAA. Also, they're doing it late in the year when bowl season, we're having bowl games getting canceled left and right. Boston College just announced that they aren't, that they're turning down a bowl bid this year, and Boston College had a better year than LSU did, right? It's like these bowl games this year don't feel like they mean anything. But, the only thing that means anything this year is the college football playoff. That is it. But imposing a bowl ban this year, if you're going to do it, you should say the next time we can make a bowl game, we're not going to play in it. That that should be the bowl ban, not, well, we're not. I'm not, guess what? I'm making sure that I don't make a million dollars. I'm giving up my money this year. Well, they were eligible this year, you know. Yeah, but eligible, come on. Come on. They were going to make it. They I won th- three games. I think they were still going to make a game. No, it's funny. They would have played in, like, the Texas money. Bowl. Yeah, but they're not really bowl eligible. Like, they in the future, when they're bowl eligible, they should, even if it's college football playoff next year, which we know it's not going to be, they should say, all right, we can't play in it. Big question is how the NCAA is going to view it. And I nah, think the NCAA is going to view it the exact Man, same way we do. It's doing? a joke, right? Question number four, Nate Oates, your guy, Alabama basketball coach, calling out Coach K after Coach K's comment saying that they shouldn't be playing basketball he, right now in the middle of the pandemic. How did you react to Coach K's comments? How did I react to Coach K's comments? Yes, and then tell me yes. how you reacted to well, Nate Well, I don't think that Nate Oates called out Coach K. He was asked about Coach K's comments, and then he made a reporter say how stupid they were. Nah, he didn't actually say it. And then he goes on to say, which is people think that it's COVID, COVID, COVID. And if you if you think that anything's worse than COVID, then something's wrong with you. Isolation in young people is leading to suicides. As, as people are losing their mental health, people are losing their, money. losing their physical health, people are losing their money. Like, there's some other things for 18 to 22-year-olds. There's probably a lot of things that worse than COVID for them. Because I just got over to May 27th. I am absolutely fine. For what Coach K said, listen. How convenient is it that he loses back-to-back non-conference games and they cancel their non-conference schedule? Get the freak out of here, Coach K. Like that is the if he's if he wins both those games in blowout fashion, dude, he's ready. There's to no play. comments. Right. Also, like there's I'm pretty sure there's articles out there talking about how Coach K was saying how important it was for us to be playing basketball, and now here we are. You know, a couple months later, that's changed, or a month later, that's changed, right? Because he's lost two, and he didn't just lose; he got whooped. Yeah. Let's be real. 15 points to Illinois, a non-traditional yeah. powerhouse. And they're top 10 this year, of course. But, like, they're – I mean, I would call them a basketball school, but I wouldn't say that they're, like, a traditional power in the Big Ten or anything. They've been bottom half of the league for the last decade. So, hey, he didn't just lose. He got whooped. And he's lost two games not looking great in non-conference play. Now, now these players get punished because they're not getting to play 
extra yeah. basketball games and chances for them to improve. Nonetheless, I know it's against bad teams, but you can still improve and work on things in live game situations. I'm curious to see how this affects them when it gets to conference play. What? One thing I know for sure, though, is Alabama and Duke can't play each other anytime soon. Well, what did you think <laughs> about what Oates said? Because I don't think he necessarily – I'm glad he said it. Well, listen, I'm when these coaches like Gus and a few other called out Saban in the past when Saban was complaining about the hurry up no huddle, and then Saban comes out and starts running the hurry up no huddle, and they all hate it. Like, there's no reason to call out the big dog. NATO still could have said what he said without talking about Coach K. I think he could have put his data, he could have done his science project on paper, gave his hypothesis, proved it, and moved on without ever mentioning Coach K. Although he was asked about Coach K. Um, I don't still don't think he should have called out Coach K because you don't call out the big dogs because still Nate Oates is not a big dog yet. So to me, it's you could have done it a different way, but I think a lot of people agree it with him. It was refreshing. A lot of people agree with Nate Oates. It was refreshing, and I do agree. I mean, that, I wish Bruce Pearl and other people would have said, "Dude, Coach K, just, just stop." Look, the question was asked to be able to write the story right. Everybody else already knew. Like everybody else was already feeling the way that we do. That Coach know. K <laughs> only said that because he's lost two games. We finally now got somebody to say that, right? And they knew <laughs> Nate Oates would be the one. Nate Oates is not. And it, listen, if you're winning, it's fun when your coach says that. But if you lose, people that comes back to bite you. But Nate Oates has never missed words. Now, he's not a mean guy, but he says what's on his mind. And you just finally needed someone to actually give you the quote for you to be able to well, write the story. People get, last thing, people get mad because Nate Oates – I was going to say, you know, people say COVID's all that bad, and they were waiting for, like, the politically incorrect quote after that. Then he stopped himself and listed why COVID, although bad, you still need to live life. Like, Nate Oates, when he said he's already had COVID, that just made everybody mad because his COVID experience wasn't everybody else's COVID experience. It's just, you know what? I'm over COVID. I'm over. I don't want my parents and old people I know to die, but, dude, we just, we got to stop living like this. Last question here. Late in the NFL season, how do you view the split between Belichick and Brady? We talked about this a little bit at lunch yesterday. I'm curious your thoughts on it going into a little bit more detail. Who's, who's, I mean, obviously. I still think Belichick's better. I think Belichick is more of the reason Tom Brady has six Super Bowls than Tom Brady is the reason that Belichick has six Super Bowls. Listen, Belichick's whole defense opted out, like the whole thing, you know? And. I know they don't have a lot of offensive weapons, and that hurt Tom Brady down the stretch at the end of his career. But Bill Belichick, if he had a defense this year, you could say he could have three more wins, which is three less losses, and he's nine and three. Here's my reasoning for this, and I agree with you. And that was the basis of the question. Obviously, Brady's having the better run of things right now. He's 7-5. His team's probably going to go to the playoffs if they don't blow it. We say probably because there is room for them to fall apart here at 7-5, and they are on a two-game losing streak with some not-so-pretty losses across those two games. And when the Buccaneers have lost this year, it's it's been ugly, I felt like, and it's been to some really bad teams. And even in some of their wins, they haven't looked good. Of course, in New England, it is not looking great. I mean, they're 6-7. and seven, and just got blown out by the Rams, and they've gotten blown out by some teams. But I feel like every time that New England wins a ball game, you're like, oh, man, their coach got them there. Like, I think when you look at the New England roster, they have outkicked their coverage this year. They don't look like a 6-7 and seven football team on paper. They look like much worse. Absolutely, so I agree yeah. with your point. And more to back up what you said about that – Belichick is more of the reason that Brady won six Super Bowls than Brady was the reason for Belichick winning six. Look at Tampa Bay right now. There's a lot of talk out there that Brady's not being used correctly in that offense, and they're seven and five, and Brady's having kind of a subpar year this year compared. Like you can begin to see 
the age on Brady a little bit. Like, it, like we're coming to the end. Like, there's, there, it is within three or three to five years for Brady probably when he retires. We're beginning to see that, but he was used correctly in New England. It all comes down to the coach using the personnel correctly. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not going rogue on his yeah. head coach, right? I, and, I, and that's I another point to why Aaron Rodgers is better quarterback than Tom Brady. That does it for speed round. Brought to you by the Brown Insurance Agency. Live is coming at you fast, just like Speed Route. Make sure you and your family are in good hands by allowing Lance Brown to be a part of your team. He'll make sure that you understand your policy and that you're fully protected. Call Lance Brown Allstate at 334-758-0088 or visit at 3051 Frederick Road in Opelika. On the other side of this break, we got game picks coming your way. Listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. This is On the Line. Noah Gardner, Jeremy Law here with you on AU100, Kicks 96.3, and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Game picks coming up in a second. But first, I talk to people all the time and they ask me, how can I support what you guys are doing? You want to know how you can support what we've got going on at Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports? It's as simple as liking our Facebook page. Search for Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports on Facebook and hit the like button on those pages, sharing our content on those pages, liking them. It helps support us and grow our pages. So thank you for being a vital part of what we do. Game picks here. I'm still two games behind you. We split on the games that we picked differently last week. I got Coastal right after you said really, but then I picked Arkansas and they blew it, right? 43 seconds left and they blew it. Yeah. It was my chance to tie you up. I I can't believe BYU went out and lost. (sighs) I couldn't believe it. Coastal's better than I thought they were. If that that game is played at BYU, they win, but, you know. Probably. You know, it's... Chadwell stock gives credit to BYU. They listen, their equipment bus barely made it. I mean, they went from Utah to South Carolina in two and a half days. That is a 20 impressive eight 30 hour car ride. I mean, it was impressive. I'm, I'm glad BYU went and did it. They knew if we want to make a college football playoff with any chance, we have to play this game. Didn't work out for them. Still probably wouldn't have made the college football playoff anyway after looking at the rankings and how they came out and where Cincinnati still sits as an undefeated team. So I'm two games behind you in the rankings. You're at 79 and 31. I am at 77 and 33. Listen, that's good. That is good. We pick a lot of games where it's one-sided. I'll say that. But we've done, I mean, still looking at our record, though. we pick all the games. We do. We do pick all the games. And sometimes that leaves us open for upset losses and whatnot. But we also pick the games, too, that are iffy and i mean when you're plus 44 and you're plus i'm plus 44 you're plus 48 that's, that's pretty darn good yeah it's pretty darn good better than you we'll have bowl season i still have time i, I still have bowl season I've, I've got the time when we get into bowl season that i mean bowl season's where you win or lose this thing right especially when we're as neck and neck as as two yeah, games well, i'm gonna be the regular season champ you can be the postseason champion of it's all that stuff matters that doesn't right? matter no not really i mean <laughs> you know about you pick 20 games versus 100 uh, hey, what if we I mean, it's 120 games, 100, uh, pretty close. Actually, 110. Here we go. Let's start it off. We'll start with your Crimson Tide. Number one, Alabama at Arkansas, 11 a.m. ESPN. Is the line at 30 for this one? Alabama's going to have a couple guys out with COVID being contact traced, I believe, on the offensive line. 
So we'll see. Doesn't matter. New five stars. Well, it's minus thirty two. It is the only position I think in football. Quarterback, offensive line, and linebacker, where if you get thrown out there without a lot of snaps, like it can quickly go bad for your team. I mean, look at Auburn's offensive line. That's, I mean, that's that's what a bad offensive line can look like, even with a good quarterback and some good receivers. So, uh, Alabama, don't know what they cover. 11 a.m. kick, traveling. Eh, it might be a little chilly out in Arkansas. Give me Alabama. I mean, obviously. I want to see if Arkansas can score. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We're not missing anybody on defense, though. I don't. Ugh, I, I don't just want to see if they can score. You look at the last three games for Arkansas: thirty-five on Florida, not that good of a defense; twenty-four on LSU. We all know that's not a good defense. And then forty-eight on Missouri, who's up and down defensively this year. I just want to see if they can score. Maybe they can put something on film. Like, do you mean that has- score or score? I want to see if they can get twenty-five. Okay. Because, I mean, like, score. I mean, 10 is not really scoring anymore. Right. No, I mean, I want to see if they can get 25. You keep asking these questions like, I think Auburn can score 30. And you say, like, I didn't LSU, say 30. Huh? I, said, I said Auburn would like, but, I said Auburn would score, like, 24 or something You're sleeping on like this that. Alabama defense. You know, they have the No, number. I was I was quicker to say this Alabama defense was in the upper yeah, echelon you keep, than like, you were like this Like, LSU, they, they scored three points in the second half of that game. I mean, yeah. this I just want to see if they can. I'm trying to figure out next week in the SEC championship. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Well, we've already there's common opponents all over the place, and Alabama's got all the head to heads. I just want to have hope for a good SEC championship game. It's not the SEC that? championship game is not going to be close unless it's Alabama, never close unless it's Alabama's out with multiple guys with COVID. It's not going to be close. When was the last time we had a good SEC championship game? Alabama Georgia 2012. Exactly. It's just, it really was it. The winner of the West just steamrolls the other side. Well, no, with the exception of when Georgia steamrolled Auburn. Alabama, Georgia, 27-2018. When Tua got hurt, Jalen came in. That was... I mean, it was probably that's, not that good, was a good for game. you. No, that was a good game. But the last two... I forget about... Game. I've erased that one from my memory. <laughs> Alabama wins this one. Do they cover? Yeah, I, th- I think they can. <laughs> well, of course we think they can, but do they? Do they cover the 32? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 this is easily a 52-10 to 10 game. I'm going to go with no, they don't, but not because Alabama plays poorly or gets beaten anywhere. I think maybe Arkansas can kind of leak the clock a little bit. They play the game a little bit slower now. And I also don't think Nick Saban goes out looking to embarrass people. He really likes Sam Pittman. I, I feel like he's got that. But if Alabama wins this week, are they in? To the playoff? I don't know. If they win this week, they're 4-0 in the regular season against ranked opponents at the time they played them. They roll into the SEC title game. They lose to Florida by, say, seven or less. I still think they're in. I think they're, if they win, if they finish the regular season undefeated, they are in the college football. Their 10 and 1 would be a million times better than Ohio State's 6 and 0. Worst thing for Ohio State would be Alabama loses the SEC title game. Yeah, because I, 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 I think, think they're they out do. at that point. Well, then you're having to compare Ohio State to Clemson or Notre Dame. You would then be, you would become the biggest Notre Dame fan at that point. You'd have to, but I think the Clemson and Notre Dame. Because I would, before. I would take Notre Dame over. Um, no, I would take Notre Dame over an undefeated Ohio State for this playoff this year. I think Notre Dame's better than Ohio State. I think Notre Dame has played better all year long than Ohio State has. Even again, I mean, they give up thirty-five to Indiana. If you give up you. thirty-five to Indiana. I think you can give up at least thirty-five to this Notre Dame offense. That I agree. That's. I mean, Notre Dame. I, I think they're as legit as we've ever seen Notre Dame. I don't think they're going to win the Natty, but I think they could make it. I think we could be looking at Alabama Notre Dame again. So that's interesting. That's very interesting. The Pac-12 is no longer a Why? factor in this. Why? Neither are, are whoa, neither whoa, of the group whoa, of five whoa. teams. If we're considering Ohio State, why are we not considering, considering Colorado? USC. 
What about Colorado? Yeah, but USC is still the mainstay of the conference. I, right. You know, but so why are, name value here? Yeah, like why are you not considering USC? Yeah, why is USC fifteenth right now? Yeah, I mean, I don't get it. Let's look at USC's record. No, they haven't beaten a ranked team, but they they're undefeated. They're a nat. They're a they are a blue blood of college football, and we just forget about them. If they if they go five and zero, and Ohio State goes six and zero, should they not be number five? Look, we all know why that we're not. I don't get it. I'm well, giving I mean, the benefit of the doubt to the roster in that scenario, but I'm with you. I mean, your logic is sound there. I was thinking the exact same thing a moment ago. Michigan State at Penn State, 11 a.m. ABC. I wanted to get some more games in here because there, the, there's only a couple of like good matchups here, and so I wanted to get a couple of of games that we felt like could be close with some decent teams in it, or not decent teams, but decent names in it. These two teams not very good, but Michigan State at two and four at Penn State, two and five. Typically, this would be a great game in November, but not not so much. And this is a rivalry game too. I think this is for the Paul Bunyan Trophy. Is it? I'll look for it. I thought, uh, who cares? Penn State wins this game. It's in Happy Valley. I think they can win this one. And I think they're playing better football right now. They're yeah. on a two-game winning streak. I like it, too. I'm trying to get the name of the Penn State. What do they Penn State, play Michigan for State's here? A, is a rivalry game. It is a rivalry game. Since they play for the Land Grant Trophy. Never me. heard of that. That is not a rivalry game. It is a rivalry now, game. Now, they may have put a trophy on it, but I'm sorry. This is not a rivalry game. It is. How this is. It's been... It's, if the land grant only, trophy? This is. This is a I, look, man. I, I've known this to be a rivalry game. Who plays in the the, the Minnesota and uh, the Floyd Rosedale, Wisconsin, is, or the Paul Bunyan trophy? Uh, right? Yeah, I got those mixed up. Minnesota, Floyd of Rosedale. Let's see which one that one is. That Sorry, one, like Minnesota uh, and Iowa. Listen, that's like saying like Alabama and LSU don't have a rivalry name. It's still a bigger rivalry than Pennsylvania. Iowa, Michigan. Minnesota is the one where they play for the pig. So yeah, Florida of Rosedale. Okay, next. But Michigan State, Penn State is a rivalry game. Big one. I'll take Penn State as well. So we're tied up there, both picking their same teams. Number nine, Georgia at number twenty-five, Missouri, eleven a.m. SEC Network. I think JT Daniels has greatly improved this team. Uh, I think that he just gives them the extra element. They're they're no longer the field is now longer because of JT Daniels. It is wider and it is longer. I still like the running game and their offensive line. Give me give me Georgia. Um, I don't see. I don't even think if if Missouri keeps this close, I still think they're ranked next week. I still I don't. And think they should be. Yeah, I still think they're a top twenty five team. I said earlier in the show that they were six and three. They're five and three. Oh, this is tough. I want to pick the upset. I really do. Well, it's not going to be an upset. Georgia's going to win the game. Like you, if you pick, if you pick Missouri, you're going to drop in the standings. I think they can score, though. That could be. Listen, I'm no, going I'm Georgia. I can't do you. it because the defense at Georgia is is still outstanding. It is still outstanding. That's the difference in this one. I mean, I I think Missouri will score enough to keep it respectable. I think this will be a good ball game, but. What a win this would be for Drinkwitz. I'm not picking it, what but a, what a win it would be to close out the year. They haven't beat a ranked team this year. Well, they did. They beat Auburn, Georgia. So they're one in. If they lose this game, Curry is one in three against ranked opponents this year. Missouri has two games left. They played Mississippi State last game of the year. I think they win that one. Yeah. They're, they're, but what does this do to Kirby if Kirby slips up and loses to Missouri this week? He then becomes fourth for me on the I hot seat I think that he is on the hot seat. The, whoa, yeah. you are trending downwards. You really I are. I think he's fourth on that hot seat list instead of Mike Leach. Maybe fifth. I don't know. Next game up, number 17, North Carolina at number 10, Miami, 2.30 p.m. ABC. Like, it's like every time I wake up, Miami's ranked higher than they were. Okay, the so going back to what we talked about with the Ohio State thing, this is horrible what the ACC did. Absolutely horrible and not in the fairness of the game and not in the best spirit of fairness when it comes to athletics. They put Clemson in the ACC title game without them having clinched. 
if Miami were to have beaten Notre Dame and if Clemson had gone on and still played Florida State or had made up a game of some nature for them to play, Miami goes to the ACC title game. If I am Miami, I am outraged with this situation right now. Everybody's trying to protect their boy because they they want they know they need to be in it. Their conference needs the money, but nobody's as good as the the SEC, man. The SEC, their winner of their championship game will be in the college football playoff. Ohio State's had to protect their child. The ACC did it. The Big 12's eliminated. The Big Pac-12, I guess, is also eliminated. What has happened? Is, I, I, this could, but just think about this could be a trend in the future. They'll just start canceling games to make sure Clemson makes it to the college football playoff. And don't tell me it's not possible to reschedule that game. Florida State's playing this weekend. They're playing yeah, Duke. They are. That game means less than Florida State playing Clemson. And just name value, revenue. I mean that that Clemson game needed to happen against Florida State. Figure out the Florida State I, game. I, I We've agree. seen other conferences shift games around. I Alabama agree. shifted games around to play LSU earlier. Moved back in the Arkansas game. I mean, you make stuff happen. Miami got hosed. The SEC, not only on the field, off the field now is the best conference. It's the best run conference. It has the best leadership. It has the best athletic directors. That Kevin Warren guy's a joke in the Big Ten. I mean, what an idiot. The guy's an idiot. Larry Scott thinks he's smarter than everybody. He's an idiot. Now, the only granted, smart person in the room is Greg Sankey. Now, granted, Clemson would have blown out Florida State, but we don't know what would have occurred in the grand scheme of that game to affect the rest of the trajectory of the season, right? Which is Games why they have canceled to be played. It. That's why they Games canceled the game. have to be played. And I'm not just talking about COVID. Are we going to pick this one? We are. I like Miami. I'm going North Carolina. Oh, here we go. I'm going North Carolina. I'm glad we said that at the same time. I was feeling North Carolina before you said that. Miami's playing a lot better defense right now, but this Miami team really hasn't played any good teams since early in the year when they played Clemson. North Carolina has, on the other hand, and I know that they lost by 14 to Notre Dame, and maybe they haven't beaten any good teams this year, but I still like this North Carolina offense. I feel it to be a little bit more legitimate than what Miami's doing on offense, and I really hope Auburn people out there that want Auburn to hire Rhett Lashley if they were to fire Gus Malzahn, please watch this game. Please. Because I think you will realize that you don't want Rhett Lashley to become your next head coach. I think you will realize that. Just saying. Even if Miami wins this game, I still think you'll realize it. It's just... it. Or go back and watch the Miami-Clemson game. That's everything you need to see. Everything you need to see. But I'm, I'm going to take North Carolina in this one. We're running out of time. You got to hurry up. Yeah, Wisconsin at number 16, Iowa, 2.30 p.m., FS1. Iowa. This one's tough, too. No, See, we got some good games this week. But I'm, saying, I'm trying to help you when I say this. Don't try to pick an upset in this game. Wisconsin is... Bleh. They have really fallen apart. <laughs> Only scored 13 points in their last two games. Yeah. They were against Indiana and Northwestern. I was the two, but I'll take Iowa as well. They're on a five-game winning streak. They're hot right now at home. I'll, I'll take Iowa also. LSU at number six, Florida, 6 p.m. ESPN for the third straight week. I'll just pick it both for us on the Florida game. Florida's going to beat Florida's gonna beat LSU. There's just too much swirling around LSU, and they're just not a good football team. So Florida is going to put the beat down on them. This one is the battle for the victory bell. Number 15, USC at UCLA, 6.30 p.m. ABC. Not close. I I really think USC is... If USC played a full schedule, I think they could have... Now, they wouldn't have beaten Alabama. But so if they played their normal schedule they were supposed to play this year, they'd be 11-1 going into the Pac-12 championship game and very much in play for a college football playoff. I like Kidd on Slowest. 
These teams are a whole lot closer than you think. I like the Dorian Thompson-Robinson guy, too, at UCLA. And UCLA, I finally feel like, is improving under Chip Kelly. It's taken a while. I don't know why Jim – I don't know what happened with Jim Mora that things were just left so bare in the comfort for UCLA so far. They're on a two-game winning streak. They look pretty good. They they lost to the Oregon really, really close. Yeah, Oregon's bad, dude. They lost two in a row. I'm going to take USC also. I think this game is going to be fun, though. I think finally we've got a battle for the victory bell that's like – Actually a good one because for for a while this game's been lopsided. Auburn at Mississippi State, 6.30 p.m. SEC Network. It's your alma mater. How you, you can, Auburn's going to win. Yeah, I also think that. I, would, I just don't like this Mississippi State team. They're so up and down. Like Now, they hung in there with Ole Miss. They lost that game. They don't have a lot of numbers. They're playing like 50 scholarship guys right now. Auburn, I think, I think the Auburn players, the majority of them like Gus Malzahn. I really do. I really think that he's 100%. part of the Auburn family, and I think they come out and play hard for him. I think he's he's definitely a, a really good figure to lead them, and he's a good guy. I, I think this game's closer than maybe think it should be. Mississippi State, I think, matches up pretty well with Auburn. I think they are a top-half defense in our league, and I think the way that they're going to spread Auburn out and try to make Auburn cover four or five receivers every play is going to be tough to do because Auburn has not been good out in space. And Auburn's allowed – Auburn can't get a pass rush, and so they're keeping their defensive backs in coverage for too long. Guys are going to get open – Mississippi State's going to be able to score, I think, in this game. And some Auburn fans might get a little bit frustrated with death by a thousand cuts, right? Here's the thing about Auburn here. Gus Malzahn, I did the research, he's 27-31 and 31 against teams with a winning record. Now, that does exclude Oregon and Washington wins in season openers because they were 0-0 at the time that they played. But it also includes six wins against group of five teams. So, really, you know... If you add the two wins over Oregon and Washington and then you take away the group of six games, he is 23-31, and 31, and the average margin of defeat in those 31 losses is by two touchdowns, right? I say all that because the career for Malzahn feels like at this point that it's been propped up with blowout wins over Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. And so you wonder where the program is at going into next year if Auburn can't blow out Mississippi State this year and honestly, the worst year that we've seen Mississippi State football at in quite some time, right? right. Like, the assessment there is is very valid. If you're an Auburn fan, you are hoping, if you're going to keep Gus, if it's win or lose, fire or keep, and he wins, you really hope it's by three touchdowns. Because if they're coming trailing off of this game right now, not improving, they beat Mississippi State by three, and that's what you're hinging it on. I just, oh. But I don't know if Auburn can take a loss like that and like this right before early signing day with where they're at in recruiting. No, they have to win this game, and they're not recruiting well right now. Now, people will sign to Auburn. There'll be some guys that have Kentucky offers that are four stars that don't have an Auburn offer yet. It's like guys will sign to Auburn when they get the scholarship letter to be able to sign. So don't really worry about like what the numbers are. Look at where the players are. And they're not recruiting well right now. Auburn has to win this game. Not only it's for recruiting. It's, Gus has to win it for his job. It's... It's hinging on this one right here. That does it for another edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law back with you next week. Same time, same place. You know where to find us. God bless everybody. Thanks for listening to On the Line, the product of Radio Alabama Sports. To follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, find Radio Alabama Sports. For more episodes and show notes, visit RadioAlabamaSports.net. 